G'day Formula One friends, it's James Baldwin here welcoming you along to another episode of Oz F1, Australia's favourite Formula One podcast from wherever you're listening, all across the globe. It is so good to have your company and a special shout out to you if you're listening to us from Scotland for this race recap episode. Of course we're talking about the Tuscan Grand Prix at Mugello and it was so close for Daniel Ricciardo to get his maiden podium for Renault, but sadly it wasn't to be. Plenty of action though, but before we get into it, if you're new to the podcast, it's great to have you here. Please consider subscribing and reach out to us via any of our social media channels, the details of which are all below. And at the end of the podcast, if you feel like leaving a review, we'd be very grateful. We do read everything that you send through and we love it. But for now, let's get into it. friends and yours. Of course, the two Thomases, Tommy T and Thomas J. Camp. Boys, big g'day to you. Boys. Well, we almost had a Daniel Ricciardo podium, lads, and I can't believe Alex Albon chose this weekend to sort his life out (laughs) uh, to grab a podium. (laughs) I was pretty annoyed about it last week. I've settled down a little bit now, but uh, geez, Danny Rick was bloody close. Uh, There was a lot of traffic on Twitter going on about uh, Renault and uh, Cyril trying to find a tattoo parlor, um, which I thought was fantastic. (laughs) I thought it's probably taking a little bit away from Danny Rick's actual podium with with the uh, team, but we'll accept the tattoo. Boys, he had a great race though, didn't he? He did. I mean, uh, he did everything right. Of all the starts, he uh, made up positions. He passed people on track, got the strategy right, got the undercut on per- uh, on Stroll and got into third place. And uh, unfortunately, we had that third restart and uh, that was ultimately his downfall. Otherwise, I think he would have held on to the third for the for the remaining 15 or 16 laps uh, before the, third red, uh, the second red flag. So... Bloody star, superstar though, absolute superstar. Yeah. He's been on it, and he's been he's had a good little purple patch, I think, in the last five or six races. He's been right up there. So good to see that Renault's made these significant gains. Even Cyril at the end of the race was saying things like, "You know, Daniel's smiling a lot more," uh, and that you know, to be fair, is a good indicator that uh, the team's going in a good direction, or he's just happy that he's going to McLaren next year, which is you know probably. <laughs> Either way, uh, Tommy, what were your overall thoughts of, of the race, apart from the fact that it was exceptionally long and as a result, you're now very tired? I'm very tired, boy. No, it was a, it was a great race. I mean, throw a couple of red flags in and you're going to have a good race because of all the restarts. But like you said, Danny Ricciardo was bloody outstanding, except Alexander Albon decided this was the time he was actually going to use the car properly and get it where it should be every week. Yeah. Yeah, we could have just waited one more week. We could have yeah. had bloody shoey, and then he could have done yeah. it. That would have been fine. Do it in Russia, mate, and mate. then everyone will be fine for you. But now, no, can Ugh. you just hold on? Uh, well, of course, this week uh, was the uh, thousandth Grand Prix for Ferrari, and nothing was going to stop them from celebrating and dancing really badly in front of cars, it, which looked like an absolute mess. If you haven't seen that, don't. Uh, don't waste your time. <laughs> it was one of the worst produced things I have seen since Pearl Harbor, honestly. Um, but uh, what a great time for uh, Sebastian Vettel to announce that he's going to Aston Martin next year and take the edge off wow. Ferrari a little bit. Very wow. interesting. No, wow. I think Seb is uh, sending a little bit of a message. What do you reckon, Campy? Oh, I don't care about the message. What it shows me is that it's clear racing point and moving forward in Aston Martin aren't willing to make the hard decisions. I... <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? There's no way that kid Stroll deserves that drive on merit. I mean, he's showed glimpses and he's quick. He's in F1, he can drive. We're not stupid. But when he got that drive in Williams, nowhere near even competent to race at an F1 level. And he's mm. picked it up. He's still a young guy. But for that team to drop Perez and keep Stroll to put Sebastian Vettel in, I'm not even sure it's the best decision. Look, Seb's not racing well at the moment, and I've said he's got. I've said this before. He's got super talent. And he's yeah. a four-time world champion. He's got it in him. I think Ferrari is shafting him. But I'm looking at it on paper. I'm going. I want Checo over. I want Checo over Seb. 
Seb will bring an element of professionalism, but no, yep. nothing more that, that Checo want. And I just, as I said before, they have put themselves on the back foot already and they're not prepared to make tough decisions. And uh, it's a real shame. We've seen Stroll get uh, preference over Perez already because he was further in front in the championship. Well, you'd bloody hope so because he's had two more races than the other guy. <laughs> That's a good point. So, yep. I mean, there's nothing. Look, there's Stroll will get a result over Checo once out of four races. But as we've seen all year, Checo has been scoring in the points at every race he's raced in. Mm-hmm. He's consistently ticking it over. I mean, you've only got to look at the history of the team uh, and his place in that. And Checo is much loved. They love him. Unfortunately, you know. This rich guy's dad's come in and said, no, we don't want you. After he just signed a three-year contract, by the way. Yeah. Oh, man. It's utterly disgusting, and I hope they fail next year, and I hope when... You know, we get to ask questions in the. You know, I hope when we get to ask questions in the media, we'll ask them a question about sandbagging and what's the point in even coming to races if you're not going to put your best foot forward and see what sort of reaction we get. So, I feel really sorry for Checo, but I suppose it's good for Seb too. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's been great for, for Seb, obviously, to to secure his future. Tommy T, uh, it really has taken quite a while after these rumours started coming about a couple of weeks ago uh, for the decision to be made. It was only made official this week. Uh, what do you think about Sebastian moving across? Well, it sounds like to, to me they both wanted it, but it seems like the future Aston Martin team kind of wanted it a little bit more giving Seb a bit more wiggle room to kind of negotiate his contract. We still don't have the details of the contract, but it seems like they were waiting on him to figure out like kind of logistics and those kind of things. But they were pretty much ready to kick Perez out as soon as Seb was ready, it sounds like. Um, Which is a big thing because they've got to now pay out his contract or find a buyout negotiation of some kind. But So they're willing to pay basically three drivers just to get Seb across, which is pretty crazy. So they really, yeah. really want him. I think it's a marketing thing more than anything, let's be honest. Seb is comparable on his good days, but I think a lot of it is going to be we want a big, flashy name for our big, flashy new team and name. Now, it's been, uh, I mean, from a business point of view, uh, it's been a good thing. Uh, the stock market uh, reacted quite positively uh, to Sebastian Vettel jumping across. We know that a couple of weeks ago, Toto Wolf said similar things, that uh, moving him across would be a good thing for the brand. Of course, Toto has an interest in that happening. Uh, but what do you think now lies ahead for Sergio Perez? You said about talking about paying him out in terms of his contract. I don't think money is necessarily the issue for him here. Campy, what are your thoughts on where Perez goes next? Well, I think there'll be a seat at Red Bull next year uh, in the top team. Uh, I don't think Albon will stay. Um, And if they do, that will amaze me too. So that's two teams making absolutely (laughs) shocking decisions. Um, yeah, look, I think Checo's one of these guys, like Hulk, who deserves a who deserves a drive above some other drivers in F1. And uh, I think they'll have to find a place for him. Otherwise, it's a real shame. Look, I've, Checo, for me, the mark on his career will be going to uh, McLaren in his second year. Mm. For his second year, sorry. And it was just too young. He wasn't ready. He mm. was lightning quick by the end of the year. And even Jensen Button said he was so quick. Um, towards the end of the year once he got his confidence and grew in the team. Unfortunately, Mm. that wasn't enough for McLaren to keep him on board. But we know this guy can drive. I still don't think he's a top top A-tier driver. I still think he's on that cusp of the B into the A's. But, I mean, guys like him and Hulk, you know, there's two spots. Where do you put him next year? The only logical place is really Haas and get rid of the two Muppets that are driving there at the moment. (laughs) But... Um, well, I mean, but that's not... If I'm an F1 driver, I don't want to be going to Haas. Not with a Ferrari motor in it. We know Gunther mm. Stein has come out this week and yeah. said, we're stuck with Ferrari, there's not much we can do. So, I mean, what? where else realistically will he fit in? Well, the answer is... Mean, I think he will get Williams. a drive. I don't think there's a, a danger of him not getting a drive. I think even if it is at maybe Alfa Romeo or... Any of the other teams, I don't think we're going to see him out. That would be impossible in my eyes because we've got a few drivers we think will be leaving, like Giovinazzi is probably going to leave. We don't know about Danny Kvyat. I don't think he's maybe got a long-term future. He might have a short-term, but that might be an option 
if they're talking about AlphaTauri being that sister team, not so much a junior team, maybe that's a development. But I'm pretty confident we'll see Checo next year, whether that's at a top team or even just at the bottom. Red Bull's an interesting choice, of course. You know, they've got their driver program pretty much locked in uh, at the moment, although the, the, the pool is looking pretty pretty thin on the ground. Sonoda uh, in Formula 2 seems to be doing some pretty good stuff, but I don't really know if it's ready yet. I think it's probably a good time for me to bring up a little bit of a rant that I've been thinking about during this week and that I think Formula 1 at the moment has just focused too heavily, boys, on younger drivers. Uh, we've seen the likes of yep. Stoffel Van Dorn, for example, who is a fantastic driver that was in a terrible car, uh, you know, and you're comparing him against Alonso, which who, of course, was going to do better, but GP2 engine and all that sort of other stuff. He's smashing it in Formula E. I know it's a different sport. Campy doesn't like it. Fair enough. But he was still a great <laughs> driver. We turned to someone like Lando Norris, and I like Lando, not saying that I don't, but... This whole focus now is on the younger end of the spectrum and it doesn't really give them a lot of opportunity to grow and develop in the junior feeder categories like F2 and F3. I'll talk about F3 in just a second as well. But boys, do you think Formula One now is taking too much of a stand and looking at that that younger target market because of people like Max Verstappen doing so well and dealing with it and sort of almost, you know, when we're saying that Daniel Ricciardo is old, it's like, guys, he's 30. He's he's super young. Years gone by or decades gone by with Formula One. We're talking about the 70th anniversary Grand Prix. Guys were racing a lot older and still absolutely smashing it. Do you think we're, we're just looking at two younger drivers and they're not having enough time to grow and develop? Well, I've said this before. I think I think the problem with going young is is just throwing all these kids in the deep end and a lot of them will fail. Most of the time they'll fail or not be up to scratch. Uh, but the problem you have is you've got, for, you know, you've got four or five years of 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 younger drivers up like in the age bracket just above these guys that have completely missed out on their chance. And I'm talking yeah. about the Jolie and Palmer era of drivers. And that's the flowing effect. So and a lot of those drivers are driving in Formula E because that was the only place they could really go. Once the tack mm. went for these youthful exuberance, um Look, I think guys like Max deserve that drive really young. Yes. But guys like Stroll and guys like Lando and guys like George Russell, I mean, they're young and they're young and they're talented. But I think it would better serve the sport and their careers if you held those guys off for two or three years. Hmm. The problem is, is if they're, hot property teams want to snap them up and lock them into long-term deals so they make some money out of them ultimately yeah. but I, th- I think it diminishes the sport I think there's I think there's a lot of guys in a Formula E that missed out on their shot in F1 just because of this this trend in Formula 1 to take young drivers so Tommy T what do you think? Yeah, I'd agree. Not everyone's a max. I mean, he's pretty much the only one who's consistently doing it who's that young. Yeah. All the other younger ones are having flashes but Lewis, Valtteri, like they're all older drivers in our eyes. Like the young ones, like Lando Norris is having a really good season, really consistent, but that's, he's probably the only one. Alexander Albon has a lot of points. That's because he's in the bloody best car. Like he should be up there. That's not due to his talent. That's due to that Mm. car being unbelievably better. Mm. So I would say Ricardo and Perez and these kind of more senior drivers are actually outperforming uh, if you remove the car as an issue. Like, I don't think the young ones are actually better. I think they're just in better machinery because, like you said, they they keep trying to go younger, 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 and they keep kind of throwing out these prime age drivers just because they think they need to go younger again. And someone like Kimi and Fernando Alonso are showing that you can race you know, into your 40s. Kimi had his first test 20 years ago in Mugello, and you look at footage of him and even of Seb Vettel, uh, and they look super young compared to what they do now, but they don't look old now just it's interesting because they've sort of it's one or two of those drivers would feed into the the paddock each year but for the last couple of years we've had this almost influx of younger drivers anyway Kimi let's talk about Kimi Raikkonen because he he's been saying that he wants to stay this weekend uh if it looks good for 2021 uh, and Alfa Romeo that he has no intention at this point in terms of putting the racing gloves away Tommy T you're not a big fan of this you think he should uh, potentially depart at the end of this year I love Kimmy but if we're going to get Kimmy that's kind of not as interested as he has been in the past in crap machinery I don't want to watch that I don't want to see him kind of fade out and constantly be at the back I would rather see Kimmy compete and if he's not going to be in a competitive car 
I don't know why he bother. It doesn't seem like he's interested half the time anyway. Like, <laughs> why would he just go enjoy his retirement? He's had a bloody good career. We love him. Come hang out for one or two races, do some special comments where you say 10 words the whole weekend and then bloody bugger <laughs> off again and enjoy enjoy what you're doing in your off time. You've got a young family, go hang out with them. To hang around in bloody 12th, 13th for a whole other season just doesn't seem right to me. Yeah, I had a great uh, radio call this weekend. <laughs> Again, not sure if you heard it. Yeah. Got a five-second penalty. He was like, what not? <laughs> <laughs> Always answer Kimmy the first time that he asks. Otherwise, you know, it's, you know, I think he woke up so most good. of Australians who were watching it. Uh, Campy, your yeah. view on Kimmy staying around? Yeah, well, now Judas has spoken, it's easier to keep Kimmy in than get rid of him. So mm-hmm. keep him. I think Tommy made all the right points, but... Yeah, it's easier to keep this guy on the sport. He's awesome. Fans love him than, than get rid of him. And he's bloody consistent for young drivers to be a benchmark against. Yeah, yeah that's very true. Absolutely. He does really well. Yeah. And Giovinazzi showed this year that he's that he's picked up his game from last year, but it's probably still not on the level that it, uh, that it should be. Now, there's two other bits of pieces of news, boys, that uh, I'd like to talk about. Uh, there's been an announcement by the FIA this week that there'll be a $200 million fee for new entries wishing to join the grid. Uh, that's going to do two things. It's going to stop people uh, like William Story just slagging off saying he's going to start on a Formula One team or any of the <laughs> nonsense that he speaks. Let him do it. Oh, my goodness. He is, oh, he is just next level. If you have the unfortunate <laughs> chance of falling over him on social media, the crap that he still puts out there is ridiculous. Uh, so that's the first thing. But uh, secondly, it's about protecting teams' cash flow because, of course, at the moment it's prize money and Campy uh, expertly put this out in a podcast a couple of weeks ago about how the funds are distributed around the place. Um, it's to prevent teams from losing out on that. Uh, teams like Haas, who don't necessarily have the bigger uh, budgets that the other teams do in this instance, would be wanting to ensure that that sticks around. Gunter Steiner has said that's a good thing and it also adds value to the team. Campy, it's sad news for you though because it means you can't just announce your Formula 1 team for next year. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, look, I don't, love, I don't love it. I think we need more cars. We need more manufacturers and the sport's going in a way to make it easier mm. for... For manufacturers, this is the line we've always we've already we've always heard. So, um, I think this is teams protecting their share for the next five years in in the distribution of prize money. Um, but I don't I don't like it. I mean, that means if you have to pay two hundred million dollar one off fee, then one hundred and thirty five million dollars for your um uh for your salary cap for the first year of racing. That's you know that's three hundred fifty million bucks genuinely we're talking about before you pay drivers and your uh, team principals. So, I mean, that's that becomes a massive investment again. And, you know, once you pay your drivers and your team principal, you're probably going to be pushing that upper ends of $400 million just to go racing. And, and in our current economy, I can tell you, manufacturers and racing teams aren't going to spend that amount of money. Mm. I thought these budget caps were all in to make it easier and more cost-effective and we welcome more talent. You know, Formula One, yes, it should be protected. These teams should meet strict standards to even, you know, uh, talk about getting on the grid before they actually do. But, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I think that's just greed coming through. I see it as instead of going two hundred million just going into the abyss, it's like twenty million going into the pocket of each current team. So if you think that that would go a long way at a Haas or one of the smaller teams that need that kind of cash flow, that's a good thing. If someone yeah, new the- wants to jump into this, like you can't just jump into a business or a corporation like this and just expect to get dividends straight away. They got to buy in, and I think that's what it is. It's just a yeah, barrier right. to make sure that everyone's getting looked after. Yeah, but the, the teams aren't going to get it anyway because it's not an attractive sport to get into with that sort of money. So, you know, let's move on. Like what happens when Haas or Williams fail because they run out of money and it's not economically viable anymore? Then we're left with less teams and you've got teams that are coming in going, oh, please, we just want to race, but we've got to pay us $200 million. It's not going to work. I think you can so. buy a team under this. I don't, I don't think it's – it's for brand new teams. I don't think it's buying existing teams and – yeah, I know. Yeah, but we yeah. need we need four to six more cars on the track, three more teams on the track, and I think the sport's pretty healthy then. Yeah, 
I will look, I mean, any any more cars on track is is only going to be a good thing. Uh, maybe we will see Campy F1 team in the future. <laughs> uh, the other point is that the FIA uh, for next year's, well, someone, funnily enough, is probably Karen Horner, has found a loophole in the uh, in the regulations for next year as well. And the FIA has smacked everyone on the hand and said, no, don't stockpile parts ahead of next year. Of course, people are wanting to... Uh, not change a lot of their cars for next year, and they can't, I should say, rather than want to. And so they're developing a lot of parts now. They've been warned to not stockpile, but it would be very easy to do that. And, of course, teams like Ferrari uh, might just hide it in one of their other factories before bringing it along. They've said they're going to clamp down, but who knows what that actually means. Campy, what are your thoughts on stockpiling parts for next year? Human bloody nature. Give them an inch, they'll take it a mile. There you go. And teams like Ferrari are probably the ones that got busted and your, and your <laughs> Red Bulls and your Mercedes because they're the ones that are the best at it. So whether or not they clamp down on it, who knows? But I doubt they will. And the FIA, for me, has zero credibility when it comes to this stuff and they should grow a <laughs> spine and actually do something. Yeah, it would yep. be really nice Agreed. to know what happened with Ferrari last year, wouldn't it? Guys. Oh. Jeez, Bernardo, uh, that guy. <laughs> That's, There's honestly, a bit of to and fro in the media between uh, between Bernardo and Toto Wolf at the moment, and uh, it's just getting childish. Like, sort it out, boys. We all know Ferrari cheated. But this is about Ferrari trying to save, save face. On track, they're not doing anything to do that at the moment. Off track. You know, they still rule with a bit of an iron fist, and if it's 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 not right when Ferrari does something. Oh, sorry, it is right when Ferrari does it, but when everyone else does it, Ferrari says, oh, that's unfair and unsportsmanlike. So pull your finger out of your head. <laughs> pull your finger out of your head, Ferrari. You well, heard I that. changed it. It was supposed to be asked, but, you know, the <laughs> elbows. Let's talk about probably the most exciting thing really that happened over the weekend. Oscar Piastri, championship winner in Formula 3, F3 boys. This was a weekend, uh, literally side of seat racing for for both races, one and two. Of course, Oscar Piastri came out on top. And uh, look, Alex Peroni, Jack Doohan in the final race, Campy, we're doing pretty well. Um, Doohan was doing things, uh, which was unusual for him, but uh, coming into turn one, <laughs> I'm going to get, if he ends up in F2 and F1, I'm going to get years of content out of Doohan. Uh, yeah. Managed to put it into some good spots, uh, and and so did Peroni as well. Boys, it was Still a bloody good race. Still didn't get points, though. Still didn't get points. It's un- unfortunate, uh, really, but... Let's talk about Oscar Piastri because he had a pretty, uh, by his standards, rubbish qualifying session going into the first race on Saturday, but he still managed to hold it together on what was a track that really only had one overtaking opportunity for, for the F3 cars, which was coming into turn one. Tommy T, uh, you and I are watching it live together. Your thoughts on, on his final race starting in 11th? I think he was just very relaxed and in control. He knew what he had to do. He was constantly on the radio going, is this what I need to do? Where do I need to sit? He wasn't taking excessive risks. He was just minimizing risk and just managing his race. And he he nailed it. He made some good moves when he had to make moves to get up a bit higher. So for people who weren't watching, basically he was in the lead, but one of the competitors, um, I don't know how you pronounce his name. Porsche. Porsche. That's the one. Porsche. Porsche. Uh, was actually Porsche. <laughs> it's a Porsche. <laughs> Done. He was actually uh, in front, so he was potentially <laughs> going to overtake on points. So Piastri was kind of having to balance this, how far back can I sit in the points to still maintain his championship lead. So it was actually really gripping race the whole way through, but he had some good moves when he had to. He had a good race, and he ended up getting the championship. What a star. Yeah, so good. Campy, what do you think of, of his weekend? Yeah, great. Well managed, pretty mature. Got off track. First thing he did was apologise for uh didn't apologise, he just said he felt sorry for his teammate, Logan Sargent, who got taken out on lap one, who was his main competitor. Mm. Um Yeah, well, I mean he he got a great start off the first start and um made up four or five positions, put himself in a sixth or seventh. Uh, off the restart, dropped back again to about 10th and then just, just did what he needed to do, really well controlled, mature race. Um, as he said, 
met some adversity in that last race, but uh, no, it's good. Oh, it's great news. Yeah. We've got a local Melbourne boy taking on the world, and it's great that we get access to it, right? You know, I mean, when yeah. Ricardo and Weber, even James Courtney, when they're going through their, their junior categories in Europe, we didn't get a lot of exposure to it in the past, but uh, it's good to see what uh, the Formula One has done for those junior categories and the feeders. We get a lot more access to it. Um, I watched a regional round in FIA Formula 3, regional round as well with uh, Charles Leclerc's brother at Spa this weekend, which was on um, on another channel. So it's, uh, look, look, motor racing is growing and uh, it's good. I think Piastri, I think, I think he's, his interview afterwards, he was, uh, he was brilliant too, super humble and didn't, um, didn't overstate it. Just said, yep, I've done well, good year but we're moving up, you know, that's not the goal. So that's what we want to hear, and he's managed by Mark Webber too. So mm-hmm. Mark's got a pretty cool head under pressure. He's been through all this before, knows how to deal with it. So um, he'll get some great advice there, and hopefully we can see a lot more of this kid in the future. Yeah, it's good. And Danny Rick praised him as well uh, for the entire weekend and said just uh, exactly what you said, Camp. He kept a cool head uh, and raced incredibly well. Uh, Well-deserved for him. And as you said, a shame for Logan Sargent uh, out really without an opportunity to even have a chance to fight for the title. But Porcher, uh, 16 years old, uh, the Frenchman are coming up. Really, it's it's unbelievable how young these guys are, really. Uh, but in the standings, Piastri leading uh, Peroni 10th, Doohan 26th and Kellen Williams 31st. First. Now, it is my favourite time of the podcast. <laughs> Tommy T. <laughs> <laughs> Boys, this is the TV broadcast review. Um, Any crafty this... quotes you got in there this weekend, mate? Oh, got a few. Got a few. He we had some good qualifying. ones. Within a couple of minutes, we had the the first track onto the car was a ripper. <laughs> what the heck is going on, Crofty? That's how you start qualifying, pal. Mate, we are off. Then we had Crofty did a little rhyme with Brundle about track limits. I can't remember exactly what it was, uh. but it was something rhyming with green. That was horrendous. <laughs> um... <laughs> I don't know what's going on with Crofty. I think he's losing it a little bit this year. Yeah. Um, that's enough of Crofty. We, what frustrated me was when we were watching Q3, we didn't actually get to see Ocon spin for about five minutes. We were watching some Mercs. We were watching the people who'd finished their fast laps. And we were like, why? Why are we watching this? We've heard someone's cr- uh, had a spin. Why the hell aren't we watching that? <laughs> that was extremely frustrating. So we got to see that after the, the session had finished. And no one could do anything about it. And just quickly on that, bloody Leclerc snuck through. Everyone was praising him on how good his qualifying was. It's because no one else got to bloody qualify because Ocon spun. That guy would have been down eighth, potentially. So little rant. We'll get to that later. Um, and then uh, one of the other points I've got is George Russell in an interview was sucking up so hard to Ferrari saying uh, it's an honour to be on the same track with uh, them. What uh, an absolute idiot. Yeah. What are you talking about? Oh, These kids on. are so... Driven with this media kind of training, they just spurt the biggest crap. That is so <laughs> rubbish. But this is <laughs> coming from a guy who posted to a topless photo of himself again on Instagram. Oh, Come true. on, George. Uh, as I've said before, that guy's personality isn't getting the girls anywhere. That's why he's getting oh, the shirt off. He's trying a different game. But man. I've said this before. That guy, he is perfect. He's a media's dream. He's not going to have to worry about it. Oh, he's going to yeah. have his tongue hanging out of the backside of wherever it needs to be hanging out of <laughs> to get a, get a better driving Formula 1. But I'll tell oh, you what, time. when he says stuff like that, it is so transparent what you're doing, mate. Yeah. We want real... Oh. And you know what we demand from these drivers? We demand a bit of authenticity when it comes to uh, your media performances. We've, we've seen Danny Rick come out and really show that you can have a personality. Lando, a few of these young guys are trying to trying to emulate the same thing. But George Russell, mate, sort it out. Your personality <laughs> is getting you nowhere, buddy. Oh, man. Um, and then so in the pre-race, just before the flyover, we had the finishing up of JB and Brundle. Uh, and then we cut away, but the audio didn't cut away, and we got a whisper of JB going to Brundle, you're pushing me into the wall, as they were trying to social distance, and Brundle just kept getting closer to JB. 
You can hear it if you go back. You push him into the walls. So that was a ripper. But that takes us to the flyover, James. We didn't get to see much of it, but we heard of, heard a lot of it. What what did we have? Uh, well, we had the. Uh, it was. It's a nice, all loving Europe. The Eurofighter Typhoon. Uh, four of them this time around, and uh, better than the Aramaki, as far as I'm concerned. So, uh, look, we didn't see a lot, but. I think as a as a project, the Eurofighter was was pretty good. Starting to get on a bit you in age here. now. Uh, yeah, you could look. It's a seven out of ten for me for for this okay. this week's flyover. That's not bad. Oh, good, very good. Well, Crofty That's did it. do one quote. He, he got an Anchorman quote in there. And it was you stay classy, Scooter Yes, yes, he, he did. So that, that's redeeming. This was not bad, to be honest. We got to see a fair bit of Danny Rick, which always gets us a couple of points. Um, yeah, I think let's let's give this one. What do you think well, about seven I, boys? Seven, I think, is good because let's be honest, there wasn't a hell of a lot of uh, issues on camera this weekend, and uh, that's well, bloody because half an hour in, and we'd done seven hundred meters of racing. It's bullcrap. <laughs> Yes, but also it's, we didn't have the full suite of Sky presenters this weekend, uh, who which was is missing? very noticeable. Who was missing? Who oh, do you think? Who, Campy, was, who was missing? Oh, I don't know, but what about those Italian marshals? What a <laughs> shambles that is. <laughs> You're trying to get Lance Stroll's <laughs> car out of the wall. Like- Ten drunk dudes at a pub having a punch on. That was shocking. <laughs> uh, in case Someone you're show some leadership. Karoon was not there this weekend, so that's uh, that's why it was a fair seven out of ten. All right, boys. Well, let's get into the race itself then, and what a bloody race it was! It was long. If you're in Australia listening to us as well, uh, it was yeah, it was a bit of a push towards the end when you're thinking there was about half an hour where there was no racing at all. But let's go through team by team as we always do. Let's start because. They are at the back and not because it's the 1,000th Grand Prix. Let's start with Ferrari. Uh, Tommy <laughs> T, Sebastian Vettel, uh, he ended up finishing um, just behind, uh, sorry, just in front of George Russell and praising George Russell's drive uh, through the Grand Prix. But it uh, wasn't a great weekend for him when his car stopped on track uh, at the end of one of the sessions. No, they, they didn't look like they had pace the whole weekend. I think they were kind of lucky and opportunistic that they weren't caused, uh, they weren't caught up in any of that shambles. And to be honest, the reliability of that car, as slow as it is, is fairly good other than what we saw in practice. Like we haven't had a lot of DNFs. They kind of just hang around and just get results. Really a shame that Seb pipped George though. Um, we'll get to that later. And what about you, Campy? Seb, for this weekend, of course, now knowing that he's got a future ahead of him, was he probably a little bit could, more relaxed? Could not care less, <laughs> honestly. Charles qualified well. Charles qualified well, but within like a lap and a half, the Mercedes were fifth and si- five and six seconds respectively ahead of him. So, I mean, the kid qualified well, give him some credit, but they post drop back and Ferrari's a shambles and moving on because I'm sick of talking about him. Uh, well, let's talk about Williams <laughs> then. This is the first weekend that Dalton Capital, the new owners, were in charge of the team. They're very close to getting points, but uh, unfortunately just out of reach. George Russell, well, we spoke a little bit about him as well, but his qualifying lap, his fastest qualifying lap, he almost put it off. <laughs> the end yeah. of Fazari, we had a two uh, coming on there and somehow still managing to put it uh, floor, absolutely floor it still. Uh, it was actually kind of amazing to watch that he didn't back out of it. And it's actually probably what saved him um, from spinning out and crashing was, was yeah. not backing out of it. Uh, but I missed you boys when I saw him go off and I was like, oh, here goes the streak. He's lost it. Latifi yeah. had a really good lap in the bank as well. And then he still pulled it out. I was like, that's very impressive. Jeez, yeah. he still put his foot in it. He did not lift while being on the gravel. That's very impressive from George. Campy, yeah, any, anything to add? Uh, Latifi fell custom to that, uh, that, 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 that second restart under the safety car. So, you know, where he backed the pack up, the, the, the back, the drivers at the back of the grid didn't see, couldn't see what was going on at the front and just thought racing was on and there was a big pile up. So a bit of a shame for Latifi, but I think he's, he's starting to, he's starting to show a bit. I think he's, he's, he's not beating George Russell. He's not there at the moment, but he's making improvements. So it's good to see. And, uh, Williams, it was a shame. First weekend without Williams family on the grid for a long, long time. So, yeah, anyway. 
And let's talk about that incident because we're going to get to another couple of teams and some people we're going to we'll lose almost half the field uh, shortly. But in, ter- <laughs> in terms of Latifi, it was, was a shame. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that restart. So, of course, um, we had the incident with uh, Max Verstappen and Kimi Raikkonen and Grosjean up at turn two right at the very beginning of the race, which caused the first red flag. And now we're moving across to this one. After the safety car had picked up uh, Bottas and we're moving people along, he, it's interesting, Campy, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is different in terms of the safety car restart was not at the safety car line further down the track. It was at the start-finish line, uh, which is why we saw Valtteri Bottas leading the pack and really trying to get a lot of temperature in those tyres before he ended up putting his foot down, um, which caused this massive ripple effect down the back of the pack. Uh, Valtteri Bottas, though, in my mind, didn't do anything wrong there. Campy, what do you think about that whole situation? uh, Absolutely didn't do the wrong thing. He was trying, what he was trying to do, he was trying to make the straight a hell of a lot shorter. <laughs> yeah. You know, yep. make it make it 500 yep. metres instead of a kilometre. So he, yep. he basically left his, his um, he left his right foot on the brake somewhat um, so that he could hold off right before the line to get the jump on uh, Lewis and, and not create such a, I don't know, the drag behind him. Um, so that they, so that the cars behind him couldn't get into the slipstream and overtake him. So he didn't do anything wrong. Uh, unfortunately, I just think it was a bit of an oversight by the uh, by the race director. They because this is a new track, we don't race here yeah. at Formula One. We mm. well, they got showed up in some of the things that the FIA and the, and the race um, race directors have got right for a lot of the time. So. Yeah, interesting. And I mean, it was a bit of a shame, wasn't it, for people like Carlos Sainz, who uh, ploughed into the back of Giovinazzi, who ploughed into the back of Latifi, who ploughed into the back of Kevin Magnussen. Uh, There's a little bit of of talk, actually, that um, George Russell was the one that sort of started the whole thing off and then stopped it down again. Um, uh, although everyone's been given a warning, I think most of the people who did something there were called into the stewards. It was like eight drivers, uh, which is, you know, you, you can only do that so much. But Grosjean was lucky <laughs> to bloody oh. to miss out, was he? Let's talk about Haas now and uh, Roman Grosjean and Kevin Magnussen. As I said on Twitter, if uh, um, everyone's saying last weekend, thank goodness for Kevin Magnussen, driver of the day, uh, causing a red flag at Mon. Uh, and I'm here saying, well, he's like, oh, I'll hold my Carlsberg. I'll do it again so people will like me a little bit more. Uh, it wasn't didn't enough to be his fault, but bloody unbelievable, really, just how many cars crashed into the back of each other. But Grosjean... You would drink Carlsberg too. Yeah, of course. But uh, Grosjean, who has caused that many incidents, saying, can't believe these guys, how dangerous. A, I thought that was quite funny. <laughs> And B, that he managed to avoid it, literally just like absolutely stomping on the brakes. And yeah. he managed to get out of the gravel uh, first time in the first incident, rather, with uh, Raikkonen and, and Verstappen as well, whereas Verstappen was was bogged. So, of course, just an, a shocking weekend again for them. But uh, Romain Grosjean, hats off to you, my friend, for, for not crashing, which I never thought I'd ever have to yeah. say to I you. And Tommy, any, any thoughts on Haas for the weekend? Nah, Kevin Magnuson's their MVP at the moment. He's playing yeah. interesting. Yeah. He's oh. some he great racing. <laughs> <laughs> Fans point. Uh, yeah, but also just on the crash, uh, glad for Halo. Uh, looking at Carlos Sainz is on board. Um, After all of the talk about, oh, it looks terrible, it's open seat racing, blah, 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 would have been horrible to have had an incident where we lost a driver, especially at Mugello. Uh, Okay, Alfa Romeo, Kimi we've spoken about, Giovinazzi again, you know, got absolutely shunted, but Kimi was the first to be shunted and uh, (laughs) unfortunate for, for him, but he managed to keep it on the racetrack as well and was doing pretty well. This is a guy who has so much experience. And I think for a track like this, it really shows that experience can count for a lot. Um, and especially in terms of how demanding the, the track could be, but in terms of racing had a good, good outing this weekend really. And uh, as per his Instagram points, got, sorry, got, post, points. got points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it. Good race, mature, mature drive from Kimmy. Unlucky to get caught up in that little lap one. Um, tangle. I don't think that was anything his fault, but amazingly, he stayed on the track and uh, got some points. Good for the team. I think it's the first points for the year, yeah. Mm. So, 
Yeah, I mean, it's one of those races, you know, we had, what, eight cars didn't finish, eight or nine, so um, he should get in the points, really. You'd be unlucky not to, but uh, that five-second penalty, jeez. They're a stickler for dumb rules, and why would you, yeah. give, why'd you give five <laughs> seconds? Oh, Michael Massey, that guy. <laughs> Here we go. Love it. Come on. No, I'm, I'm calling for his head. We don't need him as a race director anymore. You have shown enough in the first nine races this year that you're a stickler of the rules when you want to be, but on the other side, you're too lenient. Mate, you need to sort it out. You've lost the fans. You've lost me. You've lost here, us here at Oz F1. So I think we should see your F1 head on a stick and <laughs> we should get someone else in for next year. Getting medieval. Uh, nothing like Ooh. a medieval campy just to, to yeah. scare everyone a little bit more. <laughs> been, re-watching night. Ga- been re-watching Game of Thrones in lockdown. <laughs> got nothing, still got nothing here to do in Melbourne. Jeez. Campy's Game <laughs> of Thrones, the F1 edition. Uh, well, That's how I really feel about our premiere, by the way. But <laughs> I'm not going to even ask which character you think he represents. I'm, I'm, I'm taking that out on Massey. Let's talk... <laughs> Okay, fair enough. All right, I accept that now. <laughs> Let's talk about McLaren. It's not next on a list, but uh, unfortunate for, for Carlos Sainz. Again, uh, looked like he, he sort of hurt his wrist a little bit and it would have been terrifying for him to just be looking at Giovinazzi's floor, thinking, well, I was going quite quickly and now I'm looking at the underside of a Formula One car. Uh, but he had a pretty good weekend, really, considering the McLaren was not that strong uh, in any really of the, the lead up to it. He was doing okay, uh, but of course, if he was doing better than okay, Okay, he wouldn't have been at the back of the pack and, and caught up with that. But he was spun around, uh, unfortunately, at the first turn as well. But Tommy T, Lando Norris, uh, pulling out – well, he can't pull out Scenario 7 anymore because there's no such thing as engine <laughs> modes. But uh, he came six, and he was pretty happy with himself, as he should be for that result. Yeah, for the car that wasn't performing around this kind of track, I think he was very happy with that. A lot of it was outlasting everyone else. So yeah, yeah. good good race, but – a lot of luck as well. Um, yeah, but to be honest, Sainz probably the driver of that team this week. He was just very unlucky. Mm. Had a great start. Both of them had a great start. Very unlucky to get spun. And then yeah. he he was doing the right thing on the restart because the guy in front of him had gone, but then it just jerked to the left and all of a sudden there's a, a parked car basically in his way yeah. and he couldn't avoid it. Yeah. Just so unlucky. His onboard is very scary to watch, to be honest. Like, yeah, to it see is. It. Oh, brutal. Oh, Turn up. Here we go. It wasn't that bad. Here we go. It wasn't that bad. If I was in a Jeez. car. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Campy F1 team. If you have a crash, you're out as a driver. Goodbye. See you later. Not uh, interested. That's, that's going to be the revolving door policy. Jeez. <laughs> oh, anyway. But Landon, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I'm starting to get. I had I had a fan text me last night during the race, and uh, I am I'm nervous about where McLaren are at at the moment. I Interesting. Think, Go uh, on, tell, tell, tell us why. I, I think Renault are pantsing McLaren this year, so they mm. should. They're the works team. And I know McLaren's going to Mercedes next year, but I'm not sure it's going to be the difference. I'm. This is the first time I've said it out loud. I've been going in my head for a while, but... I think it could be the wrong decision for TR to go to McLaren Ooh. next year. Well, it's given better than Renault's going to Ferrari, form, at least. Given, yeah, absolutely. But given Renault's form at the moment and McLaren's form, McLaren seems to be pretty up and down. Uh, I think they're the fifth best team on the grid. And I think that Renault is jostling for third and fourth best car on the grid at the moment. So Ooh. I'm nervous. I'm. It's the first time I've said it out loud and I'm not really too sure I wanted to put that idea out there. But I think yeah. the way Renault is performing at the moment, I mean, you look at what they said when Danny Rick came across. He said, we're not going to be fighting for podiums last year, but this year's the year. Danny Rick's finished four, three times, been on the cusp of a podium, genuinely, like, this weekend uh, mm. in Spa as well. We saw how Quickland and, and Silverstone as well closed down. Charles Leclerc, you know, was in within one second of a podium. So, Renault, for me, is ticking all the boxes that they set out to achieve when they first brought Danny Rick across, other than that podium or the win that he wants. Now, Danny Rick said he wanted to change to to Renault because he wanted to get a world championship. I'm thinking maybe not next year, but if they improve next year, they got a real good crack for 2022 because the rules really suit them and the, the way that their organisation is structured and the spending money that they spend at the moment. So I am... 
I'm starting to get a bit nervous about Danny Rick's venture to McLaren next year. Interesting. Does that right and tell Zach? Yeah, Zach's look, gonna I, be very disappointed in you. Yeah, I, I, Zach, you won't be listening to this one because we would have told you not to 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 save I face. I love Zach. <laughs> I love Zach Brown. Love I don't you. think you do. Well, oh, just, look, uh, oh, look, I Campy, I think you're right in some instances. However. Comma, McLaren have had two <laughs> podiums this year and Renault have had none. And yes, I know they've been through instances, but as it comes at the moment, the team shines more than Renault in, in some areas and there has been yeah. some instances of that. Whether or not Mercedes makes a difference though, as you say, is a good point because obviously the Renault has enough power to, to put it down. But we saw Albon in coming up behind Danny Rick in, in this race uh, with Honda Power and, and mm-hmm. with a car that wasn't supposed to be as fast in a straight line as a Renault and he just had no answers to that. Uh, but I think that's an interesting point. If you don't agree with Campy uh, or even if you do agree with Campy, let us know uh, if you've been thinking the same thing because that's actually a really good I point, don't, Look, I don't even know if I agree with myself at the moment, <laughs> but these are the thoughts. Put that on a T-shirt. That's a T-shirt right there, Campy. Not sure <laughs> if I agree with myself. <laughs> Mate, I'm very convicted about this. These are the thoughts that are going through my head. And I think Renault, Renault seemed to have turned turned a page for me in the last six races. Not the first three, but the, like, the last six races, Danny Rick's been consistently up there and whereabouts where I'm he needs to be. I'm just going to bring you back down to earth, Campy. We've Here had we some go. very good Renault tracks, and we've had some very average McLaren tracks. We've had a few DNFs. Like, Sainz didn't get to start a race two weeks ago. This mm. one, he didn't get to finish this race, I think. And they're still leading on points. I think McLaren is going forward in a much better space with a Mercedes power unit next year. I'm talking yeah, you down I'm off just, the ledge, mate. He's going to the right yeah. spot. Come on. Well, I'm talking <laughs> about the results that McLaren has had. I mean, they've been lucky results in the sense that things have happened, whereas Danny mm. Rick's year has been a hell of a lot more consistent. When when luck's there to take it and win a race like Gasly did last weekend, Danny Rick hasn't had the luck to get the podiums like McLaren has and Stroll yeah. has. Mm. I mean, he's been consistently driving that car in a place where it should be and more representative of the Constructors' Championship at the moment. And that's what I'm Lando's pretty at. consistent. Signs is the inconsistent one, unfortunately. No, but Lando's I'm not, I'm had good not. results every week, pretty much. He's been out of the points once. Yeah, but I think yeah, I mean, in terms of Campy, I think I don't know if I want to say I agree with you necessarily because I'm feeling a little bit the same as you. But in terms of the development of Renault, where you know they'd really dropped back, didn't they? In terms of from 2018, where they were strong uh, and really challenging, sort of Red Bull, they dropped back a lot in 2019, which was disappointing to see. They've come back again. Uh, hopefully, to do a lot with that is to do rather with Danny Ricardo and. Fernando Alonso is really going to benefit, really, isn't he, from from that uh, effort that DR has put in. So he has to be proud for that. But in ter- I think, honestly, it's going to be really how the Mercedes power unit is integrated into a car that was ultimately yeah. designed around a Renault power unit. Uh, I know that they'll hopefully have the ability to be able to change a couple of different bits and pieces, but they're different looking engines, uh, different sizes and all that sort of other stuff. So hopefully... Hopefully, this is something that is not going to come to fruition, but you raise an incredibly good point. Let's talk about Renault specifically now, boys, um, and Danny Ricardo. As we said at the very top of the podcast, he's a bloody star. When he went into second place around Bottas and got that start, I was almost standing on my head and... Entered, I'd be the first human being entering the Earth's atmosphere without a spaceship because I was that excited that he uh, would be finishing ahead of a Mercedes, potentially. Uh, that wasn't to be, which was very annoying, and I really wanted Bottas to just struggle to follow a car. Uh, <laughs> and then bloody Alexander Albon out of nowhere, a wild Albon appears and buggers it for Ricardo. But, boys, as you say, consistency is oh. his absolute bag. What a star, honestly. Yeah, God, Godlike performance. His his lap in Q two was some lap, and even he came across the radio and said, "That oh, was good." Yeah, that's reminiscent of his. That's reminiscent of his pole lap in Monaco in twenty eighteen. Yes, which he did twice. Yeah, um, he knew he did it. He unfortunately went a couple of tenths slower in uh, in in Q one. Um, but I just think sometimes these drivers put together laps and they just go, well, where did that come from? Like, <laughs> I mean, the guy's consistent at the best times. There's not a lot of difference between his best and his worst, but every now and then they pull out these laps and they're like, geez, that was that was some lap. So uh, Ocon's struggling too. I mean, still nowhere, really. 
Yeah. Unfortunately, he didn't get to finish the race, but he's getting pantsed again, and I think pressure's coming on him. There was a lot of team radio at the end of Monza. Uh, I'm not sure if you heard it where yeah. he started complaining a lot, and I think it even yep. was Cyril who got on the radio and said, please stop talking on the radio. <laughs> so I would suggest had... I would suggest that had something to do with engine modes and Renault went quite conservative. Yes, yep. Uh, but it also shows that he's probably complaining a lot behind closed doors as well. And, you know, that sort of doesn't just come out of nowhere. It, it bubbles over, doesn't it, uh, that frustration. So, look, at least Renault is, is still focusing on Danny Rick as well. He's clearly the better driver and we're not sort of seeing what Ferrari have done to Seb Vettel in terms of him moving on next year, which is, which is really good. Um, but Ocon, yeah, still still nowhere. And uh, Dave Munnis, uh, yeah, well, you'll understand the hatred of Ocon really as well. Hey, let's talk, let's talk about Racing Point. Um, <laughs> and uh, look, Lance Stroll was doing pretty well. Let's let's be honest. I know he's not <laughs> a, a great driver, but he did have the aero upgrades, as you said uh, a little bit earlier, Campy, and he was doing really well. He did so well, in fact, that he crashed into a wall uh, and he had a rear puncture, which is what he said on the radio. I had a puncture. Um, no, I'll, give the kid, I'll give the kid some credit. He drove pretty well this weekend. Like, he was consistent. He's fast. But he had that two, you know, he had that quarter of a second uh, advantage because of the aero upgrade, and he got it because he was ahead in the drivers' championship, as we said before. I, I don't like that stuff. Mm. I don't like preferential treatment, especially to a a boy who doesn't deserve his seat anyway. But <laughs> he was pr- he was pretty good, and ultimately, him crashing cost Danny Rick that third place, yeah. in my opinion. So, yes, he did. Yeah. So uh, that's why I'm having a bit of a crack. <laughs> because Squid. he ruined Squid. it for Danny Rick. And he's, he's Canadian too, so. <laughs> I'm not going to put that at the end of this podcast, but uh, if you'd like to listen to Campy's Why I Don't Think Canada's a Great Country podcast, feel free to tune in. That's his opinion, not mine. I love Canada very, very much. Um, but you would. Is, you love everyone. Oh, that's true. I've Thank you, mate. Opinion. I am very, I'm very loving everyone. You'd be really, you'd be a really good like Fox Sports presenter. I thought you were actually going to have a crack, and there it is. Actually, you were right at the very end. Uh, Sergio Perez, obviously, knowing he's, he's out of the team for next year, but still. Still performing pretty well, uh, noting his car was the slower one. Uh, he he must be feeling a little bit sad, but um, still trying to make the most of, of this period and this this year where he actually has a fairly decent car, finishing in fifth, getting a good points haul there as well. Uh, really qualified stroll too. He on did. The, on he the did. theoretically slower car and then got switched because of, of his penalty. Yeah, yeah. And so that was, that was interesting too. Yeah, no, well, well said, you Tommy. Could def- you could definitely see the race pace, the difference between Ooh, the two yeah. of them. Yes, and that's yeah. not that's not Perez's fault. That's that's no. that's because of the aero upgra- upgrades that Stroll had on his car. Yes, yeah, Tommy T. Your thoughts of Racing Point really over the weekend? Uh, I kind of was hoping that Albon would have been behind Perez at the restart, and because Perez would have would have done a good job at defending him off. But what did you think yep. of them of the entire weekend? I mean, pretty good. Like, this didn't seem like a track that was going to suit them, but they actually did really well. Perez has been good since he's come back. I think he, like Campy said earlier, he's really stiff not getting a drive in the team next year. But I I don't think it's the last we'll see of him. He'll get somewhere. But I'm actually genuinely worried that this is not going to carry over next year and the year after. I don't know. A lot of this is what we've understood as copied car, Mercedes, a pink Mercedes, that kind of stuff. So genuinely interested to see how much of their own stuff they can bring next year and see if they can Mm. build on this season or if it's just going to be like a, oh, we can't copy homework anymore. We're just going to be back to the bottom of the class. So I don't think a lot of people are talking about that. It's going to be very interesting. We, We seem to give them a lot of credit for this year, but I wonder if it's a lot of just borrowed homework. Yeah. Well, Hopefully we will – I mean, we won't see that much of a change uh, with very similar regulations for next year. And, of course, they've paid their fine now and they've copped their points and I think everyone's hopefully moving on from it, at least for Seb's sake, I hope they manage to stay towards the front and don't suffer Mm. fade for next year. Uh, Alpha Tauri. Now, 
I'm not sure why I put them so late in the thing. It's because he bloody Gasly won last weekend. Um, <laughs> but tell you what he didn't do this weekend, anything really at all. And so, Campy, <laughs> tell me more about how Pierre Gasly Unleash. is, inverted commas, such oh, a bad oh, driver. Oh, oh. My whipping boy. Whip, whip, whipping boy. All I've heard about is how good Pierre Gasly is. How good is he? What a year he's had. Oh, it's great. And then he backs it up with a performance like this, which I've always consistently said with these two guys, Gasly and Kvyat, they're pretty comparable. I reckon Kvyat's had better race pace, um, but situational uh, unfortunate events have not got the job done on race pace. I think Gasly's quicker over one lap. But, you know, at the moment, it's 5-4 in their last uh, 6-3, sorry, in their qualifying. So that's not like, I mean, one more next week, Kvyat gets it, 6-5 or 6-whatever it is, 6-4. I mean, it's closer. I don't think he's that good. And this weekend, he proved my point, really. He didn't qualify overtly well and then crashed down the last lap. So you're going from hero to zero really quickly, and a week is a long time in F1. You are only as good <laughs> so as your true. last race performance. Uh, and Danny Kvyat finishing in seventh. So I didn't see a hell of a lot from him this weekend. But Tommy T, do you think it was just bad luck for Gasly? Or did you think yeah, he really deserved it? Kirby's not wrong. I don't, I don't think he's entirely wrong. I think he was pretty average in Q1. He didn't link up a lap. He could not find the balance of that car, and I don't think it was set up properly. He just he couldn't get the understeer, the oversteer in certain corners right, and he just kept washing away speed. Couldn't get through to Q2, couldn't get Q2, obviously, then to Q3. So he really just didn't have much on offer on the race day, and then he got... Uh, smashed up in that collision. So, Camby's right. Like you've got to perform. Like that's that's no one else's fault other than his. So, yeah, I, I back Campy in there. I think he is. I think he is talented, and I think he is better than Kvyat, uh, uh and comparable. But yeah, this was a terrible, terrible week to back up his uh, amazing performance last week. Yeah, and especially again, not even completing a full lap before he got squeezed, and it was yeah. goodbye. Uh, okay, let's talk about Red Bull and uh, let's get this over and done with with Alex Albon. Look, part of me is happy that he's finally got a podium, uh, but of course, uh, Campy and I were saying this last night, Tommy, that it's about bloody time. I mean, the guy's in the yeah. second best car on the grid and he's had plenty of opportunities this year to, to do that. Of course, he was towards the front uh, when it came to the, the second restart, so... Are we feeling slightly happier for him now? Are we still thinking maybe he has an opportunity to stay at Red Bull next year? Or, we've, Tommy, are we still saying goodbye to him? We've we've watched him bloody follow behind people for I, ages. I still don't think it's... Not being able to get it. into these fourth, thirds positions. And then finally he does it today. Are you kidding me? Jeez, mate. Like, pick your time. This is not the time to overtake Daniel Ricciardo and decide to be a good driver. Yeah. You've had all opportunities throughout the year. Like, I'm pretty sure last week he couldn't find his way off the bloody back of the grid. Ridiculous. Like, he's so inconsistent. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing hampering in his career going forward. Campy? Well, look, this guy, this guy, and I mean this with all due respect. He's in the he's the fourth fastest yep. guy on the grid at the moment, and it's only because of his car. So when something happens to his teammate and the, one of the Mercedes or both of the Mercedes, he should be getting on a podium at a minimum. The fact we've had to write nine races for him to get a podium, Leclerc's had astounds me at the best of times, and why Red Bull. Uh, uh, tell me about it, but this kid has been consistently off the pace. He wouldn't have got on the podium this weekend if it wasn't for the crash for Stroller. Unfortunately for Dan Rick, they, they yeah. got another restart with a whole new set of tyres, and he should be at an absolute bare minimum getting third in that car when your teammates crashed out. So the kid's got some, like, he's still got some work to do. Good on him. It might help him, you know, might give him a bit of confidence. And he said to the team afterwards, oh, you know, thanks, thanks for uh, going thanks the journey. With thanks me. for sticking with me. Was that what he said, thanks for going on the journey? Or was it thanks for sticking with me? So, you know, it says he's getting some pressure and he knows there's some pressure. And I think it's too late. I, I think you need to do this in race two, three, and four. Um, I mean, I still don't I, He's got to go. He's not worth it. He's not worth it. He doesn't deserve that mm. drive when there's so many other drivers behind him that could do a better job in that car. Uh, and for Max, I mean, 
Jeez, he? he's just he's so frustrated at the moment. He had a genuine yeah. he had a genuine crack at Honda yeah. over the radio. It's very dangerous territory, isn't race. it? Yeah. <laughs> um, and this week, this weekend, considering the start that he got, I mean, he pants. He in that initial phase one of the getaway, he was Did already it look around. Like he was harvesting um, energy, Lewis Hamilton, and for him. No, that was a problem with the um the Yeah, because uh, his red light was flashing yeah. though and really which is usually indicating it's harvesting. Yes. But it yeah. was happening as he was accelerating. So something was going wrong, hey. Yeah. But that it, that happened because yeah. of a, a failure. It's like a default position in the software which controls uh, the, the gear syncing or something. So it's what Horner said after the race. Heck, I feel sorry for him. I mean, the guy's chomping at the bit. He just wants a car. He genuinely just wants to have a crack at these Mercedes in in a car that's not as good, but he's taken the fight to them. Yeah. And when these things happen, it's super frustrating for him. And uh, it's a real shame. Yeah. It was a shame. Well, I mean, he had no speed and he crashed out. The, so, the driver's um, think he's he's gonna fall way too far behind now. he was already out but this has oh. just sealed it really he'd never you wouldn't want to have spoken to him got out of the car and as i said no one yeets Ooh. the steering wheel like max verstappen he just sort of went <laughs> <laughs> see you later to that uh okay Mercedes, uh, Lewis, and Valtteri Bottas. Uh, Jensen Button had some very choice words for Valtteri Bottas at the end of the coverage. Just go faster. That's how you beat Lewis Hamilton. So uh, <laughs> that's really good insight there. But it's very true. Uh, he just he's, he's kind of lost the plot a little bit with this now, boys, hasn't he? Uh, well, no, look, mate. I mean, this guy's qualified within... Yeah, you know, do you think he would have been qualified if we didn't have the Lewis Hamilton again for the second time in two oh, weeks? Yeah, yeah probably. He, yeah, he was quicker all weekend. You could see that, and he knew that. He, yeah. Yeah, I mean, got the start too. Yeah. Got to remember, we had three starts this weekend um, on race position, and both both Lewis and um, Valtteri. Um, they had a bad start where they lost positions. They had a uh, they had a start where they held positions, and they both had a start where they gained positions. So, um, like I mean, if you look at the three, um, the three starts across the two of them, that's that's you know they were both exactly the same three three starts that they had for each other results wise. Uh, unfortunately for Bottas, yeah. he. His was happened on the first time, the first mm. restart, and I reckon mm-hmm. he would have cruised to a win if we didn't get incidents. Yeah, uh, just a real shame, really. I mean, I mean, the guy's doing the, for me. The guy's doing everything right, and it will click for him at some stage. I hope it. I hope it doesn't click until next year. Yes, and he comes out and he does a Rosberg twenty sixteen, and wins. You know. Eight or nine races in a yep. year, and four or five on the trot at a time. You know, which puts some big pressure on Lewis. I think that's. I think that's what he's looking forward yeah. to. I think the championship's over from a driver's wise, um, but he's driving phenomenally well at the moment. Unfortunately, he's, he starts. You know, it's always something, isn't it? Whereas Lewis, he's lucky again. I mean, he's lucky that we got two yeah, restarts. Yeah, I mean, it's not he, surprising, you know, really, is it, that uh, Lewis anyway. ends up out front again. Uh, well, that's that's the race. The one thing I did want to uh, mention that we, we missed for the broadcast review was Mick Schumacher getting in his dad's uh, mid-thousands yes. Ferrari, and that sounded absolutely mega, didn't it? Phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, we, we he's be- also leading the cha- He's also leading the F2 championship, too, so... Yeah, um, Callum Callum had an incident in uh, incident in race one, which uh, he scored no points, and Schumacher had a pretty solid weekend actually. So there's three races left for them. Um, so yeah, be interesting to see if Schumacher gets the job done because really at the start of the year we said he has to get something done this year, yep. and the first three races suggested that he was way behind and probably didn't deserve a drive in Formula One. But he's now leading the championship with three races to go. If he can hold it onto the last weekend and then maybe get some luck, or who knows, he's 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 pretty solid and pretty consistent at the moment. So yeah. it's good for his trajectory into F1 yes. eventually. Yeah, and uh, I think we can start putting to bed our little, oh, well, he's only here because of his dad uh, comments from yep. earlier in the year. <laughs> Fantasy. 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 
Okay, boys, uh, let's talk about the F1 fantasy. We are doing horribly, but I tell you what is doing really well, uh, doing, uh, is the names of these teams are getting better and better. Uh, I've written down a couple here that I, I want to give specific shout-outs to. Our leader for, for this round, Jay Moore, uh, speak louder, Ooh, I'm wearing charge. a towel. <laughs> which I think is fantastic. <laughs> uh, I also like uh, Dave has put, uh, Dave Munnis has put the soothing tones of Franz Tost. That's really great. Uh, he's coming fourth. Um, G Nass in eighth, Red Seb Redemption. I bloody love that. I think Ooh, that's, that's great. That. Um, <laughs> I don't know, 15C Bridges. Mattia, take the Binottos out. And make sure you take those bins out and put the SF-1000 in them as well because uh, that's a piece of crap, isn't it? Um, Ooh, H. Yeah. Baker, shut the F up, Ocon. I just like that. That's just... <laughs> that's, <laughs> to the point. That's fantastic. I'll, try, I'll, try, I'll change more. I'm coming to it. yours in a second. Just one second. And uh, <laughs> the last coming, 37th from Canada, which is a great country, T. Alexi, Alex Algon. Uh, not Albon, Alex Albon, which I think is fantastic. Uh, for us, we're doing. I don't get terrib- it. I don't get it. You wouldn't. I'm doing it terribly. Uh, Tommy T, both of your teams, 47th Horrible. and 48th. Horrible. I don't even know why you're bothering anymore. Campy has changed your team name. Campy, what have you changed in the team name to? Uh, Baldwin's a muffin. Yep, coming in 20th. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, and I'm coming in 17th. Uh, look, honestly, this is this is probably my favourite part of after the race weekend <laughs> is seeing what you've changed your name to. Uh, there's 60 contenders now um, and uh, R. Moxley is, is second and S. Shill from San Diego is in uh, – Santiago, I should say, in third. Uh, fantastic names, honestly. Uh, we suck at F1 Fantasy. You guys don't, though. You're doing a great job. Um, but, boys, th- this is going to be odd for us because we're not having a Formula 1 race next weekend. It's the weekend after and we're going to Russia. It's a track that we don't necessarily enjoy all that Need much. Need to go to or want to go to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but hopefully <laughs> hopefully we can see some sort of consistent racing. Before we do go though, I want to shout out to two people. Uh, Humi in Scotland was out for a run and when she heard Campy's doing joke, she had to stop running and because uh, she was <laughs> laughing that hard. So uh, shout out to you mate and Pete from Virginia in the USA. Thank you so much for emailing in. Like genuinely appreciate USA. listening to you guys. USA. And I love, I honestly love that Drive to Survive on Netflix is fueling so many of you uh, loving Daniel Ricardo and somehow stumbling upon us here. So if you if you've enjoyed it, please uh, spread the word about us. Uh, we love it too. We've got some potential changes coming up with the podcast format in the next couple of weeks, which is going to be super exciting. We have more to announce on that uh, on our social media platforms. If that does, you don't want to see my face. Come you along. don't want to see my face, uh, people. It may contain some video uh, of which we will have to put like <laughs> viewer discretion is advised. Campy's Campy's face now exists. <laughs> uh, but boys, genuinely, thank you for your time. Really love it as always. Um, I'm pretty pretty stoked with with how close Danny Rick is getting to a podium, and maybe in Russia is it? I, look, Russia will become a good track. Sochi will become a good track if Danny Rick gets a podium. I'm going to say that. Get a in the hat. Oh, Love could it. you? Yep. Could you imagine? Um, Get in. But big thanks Mate, to imagine Tom. Danny Rick doing a shoey with Putin. Oh, that'll be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's your idea of fantasy, like right Campy's there? Dream. Yeah, yeah, it's like exactly. F1 fantasy, and then there's F1 fantasy for for Campy. <laughs> uh, boys, music in this episode by Entente Music. Uh, big thanks to the lads there for that. Thank you for listening to Oz F1, Australia's favourite Formula One podcast. We will be back in Russia for our next recap. Boys, see you then. Which yeah. country do you like, Campy, other than Australia? Which well, you don't, don't like very much. don't like Australia at the moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who do you like? Give us your top two. Top two. Well, politically or what? Just <laughs> like. Ah, uh, Texas. That's a country of its own. Texas. <laughs> the Republic. It's the only free state in the world. <laughs> and Joe Rogan. Like Texas is Joe Rogan has just moved there is? too. Yeah. Do you know what Texas's state motto is? Yeah. What? The Republic of Texas. It's not. It's friendship. <laughs> is it? Its state motto is friendship.